Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Good morning. You are listening to The Mystery of Parenthood. We're so excited to be here. We ask that you would, maybe if you got a chance, uh, slow down and uh, and take a listen. We hope that this will be something good for you. And we're I know this will be because Steph's going to say a prayer to begin it. So. <laughs> good morning. Good morning. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity. Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. And grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, Holy Family of Nazareth. Pray for us. St. John Paul II. Pray Pray for for us. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Yes, good morning. You have joined us on Red Sea. (laughs) Oh, Lord. Goodness. Thaddeus is in the house Thaddeus is with in his the house. frogs. No, 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 no. This is from last week's. Uh, <laughs> you know, you'll have to go back and listen to why we now, you'll have to go back to listen to last week's episode to find out why we are having animal sounds <laughs> in the house. In the house. <laughs> it's oh not only goodness. the mystery of parenthood, it's the mystery of the animal sounds. Speaking of, speaking of frog sounds, my, uh, my, Four-year-old son Andrew was really excited this weekend because he got a frog house for his baptismal day gift. Wow! So it's a little wow. portable kind of wire wired uh, little house, a little door that you can swing up. And oh my gosh! I mean, he <laughs> wanted to get out this morning and look for frogs. Nice. That's uh, all. Yeah. Just know those screens are. Not always 100%, Robin. <laughs> uh, well, that frog yeah, house is staying outside. I can well, tell one, you. Time, okay. one, time, one time our child uh, caught a tarantula and put it in a bug deal. Hmm. It never got opened up unless you did it. <laughs> and no, it was in the house. <laughs> it, it was not in there. I mean, it just... Yeah. Disappeared. That was the, thus my comment about those <laughs> so, screens not being Yeah, that's why she's saying that. So I when, mean, you said, when you said it's staying outside, it was I was a like, giant good spider. It's like, uh, where is it? <laughs> I don't know. It was there when we went to bed last night. So anyway, we've we moved from survived. that house since then. But <laughs> how did you survived. fall asleep that night? I mean, <laughs> you'd be thinking, well, you thought it was in the. <laughs> any moment it's going to jump onto my face. <laughs> That's what I would have been thinking. We sold that house. So anyway. (laughs) And the next day it was on the market. (laughs) But uh, speaking of that, Uh, we're going to talk about suffering today. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, if you're just um, if you're just joining in, um, we have been going through this fabulous um, apostolic exhortation by um, Bishop Thomas Olmsted. O-L-M-S-T-E-D, out of Phoenix, and it's called Complete My Joy. Um, Thaddeus Thaddeus and I, our joy was definitely completed as the second reading last Sunday had that phrase in Mm -hmm. it, and I I did notice that, showed it to my husband and Matt. I was so excited about it, just (laughs) heard that and... Wow. I mean, we're complete we've been completing joy. our joy for the last five weeks. Yes. Uh, yes. This is great. Yes. Well, I, you know, so. 
Well, yeah. what's ironic, it, not ironic, I think maybe it's difficult to understand how completing somebody's joy would include suffering, but um, it's at the center of the gospel, and we'll, we won't go there right away, but you know if I'm here, <laughs> we'll go there eventually. <laughs> so um, anyway, I thought, you know, I think that when I, like we've done marriage prep and lots of things with with young couples, and I think all too often they they enter it thinking, you know, they've they've been watching Cinderella and, and all that. <laughs> everything, you know, happily ever after. And as long as you understand happily correctly, that that is true. But um, but if happily means no suffering, if hap- happily means no crosses, if happily means no need for forgiveness, if happily needs no reason to ask for forgiveness, um, then we'd all be sadly mistaken. And so I think Bishop Olmstead does a, does a good job, not only pointing out what causes it, but um, but actually addressing how to how to deal with it. And as Catholics, we are there. Well, I'll have the verse, you know, the, the verse talking about complete my joy, linking with suffering. There's a perfect verse, which every Catholic needs to know. But anyway, that's going to be the teaser until the end. So y'all oh, going to have to wait. Teaser. Y'all going to have to wait. Like these teasers before. So <laughs> you'll have to listen to the end to know what I'm talking about. But anyway. Um, we had to pass the bill to know what was in it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to listen to me for the next 45 minutes. Well, at least partly uh. me. But anyway, so I, I think that, I think that, um, Start, he starts off with just saying, and it, and it is true, marriage is a sacrament, and a sacrament is meant to be a visible sign that, of some invisible reality, the invisible reality, at least in part, of Christ and his church and his bride, the church, and their relationship, and where that began. And it began on the cross. And so he kind of makes a point here that if we're going to share in his life, if, if we're going to be signs, if we're going to, if we're going to live it out, then we should expect that suffering would be part of it, that there would be crosses, um, as a part of it. And the good news is because of the cross there, and because of what we know as good Catholic Christians, um, suffering is not meaningless. It's never meaningless, and so that's what this, what the the vast majority of what we'll talk about today is that it, it can become redemptive. As he said, when united to Christ, it becomes redemptive and can and can be the source of indescribable grace in the sanctification and salvation of your families. Um, I'm curious. You know, this is chapter or section four in Complete My Joy: Suffering, Sin, and Healing. Do you think that it could have been equally effective making it? section one, like sort of leading with suffering and then going, or do you think that it works properly to consider all these other aspects of family and then for people, ask people to consider, okay, now that you kind of know what it means to be family and to, and what marriage is supposed to be, okay, now let's talk about suffering. Does that even matter? I'm just curious. I do, I, I do think it matters. Um, so I've always talked about you have to have you have to have vision and action have to go together. And the thing that gets you through actions, even when they're tedious, not not pleasing, <laughs> maybe even something that's bad, you have to have a vision, I think. And so I think he I think he's proper. I, I imagine there's a way to put it at the beginning. But but I, but the other thing is, is if you start off with, hey, you know, there's going to be bad times, it may not draw people in. Yeah, I, I think I could see how in these days, in this day and age, you could maybe be tempted to start with suffering because, you know, broken families, broken marriages, all the challenges right. to marriage and family life. But I think it's maybe a sign of, of hope and a sign of proper perspective, like you're saying that, no, we're going to talk about what marriage is the nature of marriage, the nature of family. And then we're going to deal with kind of the fallen world after we know. I think you have, I think you have to, to. I mean, I think, I think that as we were talking about, I mean, we were talking about, we're going to go 
give this talk on on joy. I mean, it must be something God wants because joy is popping up everywhere. So, I mean, wow. So, uh, but but I was saying that as we read this, I was like, you know, I think that's where married life, parenting, the all, all the stuff that is just repetitive and sometimes very challenging and sometimes even disheartening at times. Whether, I mean, just I think anybody can fill in the blank on what that might be, maybe even today, um, that you you have to have something that gets you um, through it, get, gets you to attack it mm-hmm. in the context of something greater that that says, okay, this too shall pass. Right now, this is what I'm supposed to be doing and, and go. I was thinking about that. As we were with, um, with you know, children, we were talking to somebody else about I don't remember who may have been you, but but about children in church and about how you know the the it can be disruptive to their own prayer and those type of things, and that's a suffering. Um, but in the context, if you understand it, in the context of hey, you're a parent, you know, guess what? That's their kids are going to misbehave. And if you can see it in the context of that's something that you're called to do in the moment, then if you didn't have that vision, I think you can get really not only frustrated but angry. I mean, you still might get angry, but 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 get so angry that you if you lose sight of, well, you're disrupting my prayer, you're ruining mass, not only for me but for the people sitting next to me, and and that's that's when you take an event and you're acting outside the context of a greater vision. You know, if you don't have, this is what this is all about, and you can't attach it to something, then it becomes just an event that you're trying to get over to avoid or whatever instead of embracing. Right, right. So, again, that's me, the 30,000. I think that's a good point. Deal, but, <laughs> but anyway, I don't know if you had any comments as you were going through it, but I think he, you know, he lays out, well, first, I think he says what is true about society and why this is a, an additional reason that there's difficulty in marriages that, that society today and, and really the culture today, contrary to pretty much everything before, if you ever read Making Sense Out of Suffering by Peter Kraft, you know, he points out that like we're like the first generation that has viewed suffering as the ultimate evil, you know, and so we're living in a society that says and he says this, would tell us that suffering is an evil to be avoided at all costs, even if even if that avoidance results in sin. But our faith tells us that that's not true, and that's what the rest of this is regarding that. But I, but I think that that's something that's a lie today that exists and that we have to come to grips with, that suffering is seen as the ultimate of all evils. So, uh, anyway, any thoughts on that before we dive into the types of suffering that we have here? Uh, just a quick aside, I would say, looking at it as a in a historical perspective, I think part of that reason is because for so many centuries of human existence, most of the types of suffering that uh, humans experienced, there really was very little that humans could could do to alleviate yeah, that suffering. That that suffering. Okay. Um, I guess I didn't. Uh, no, 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 that's, that's a great the part I didn't get to. No, 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 no that's no, but I didn't. I don't I was mean like, to do wow. that. Wow! No, I thought you had read it and you were no. just making that point. No, yeah. I hadn't. <laughs> I hadn't. I hadn't read this part yet. Um, but yeah, and I think you know, only say middle of the 19th century, you start to see some of these technological and societal ability to alleviate suffering to the point where now it becomes the sine qua non of human existence is to alleviate suffering, avoid suffering. And um, one of the things we lose sight of is that suffering, it was suffering, it was the experience of suffering that led to all these great human achievements. I I think that is something to be, you know, maybe pondered. Well, so again, uh, from the... if we just look, let's just take a practical example. I mean, no athlete would ever say, the, I'm going to get good by sitting on my rear end. Right. 
And most every athlete that I know is not super excited about all the working out that they have to do, that it causes pain. It causes suffering, but they know that the suffering actually makes somebody stronger. And, and I think one of the things that we've talked, that I talked about and, I, and Joseph White, who we did that, we did the married couples or the marriage prep with talks about the fact that the very things that end up causing marriages to come to an end are the exact same things that when fought through strengthen marriages. Right. Exactly. And so, so from a purely practical standpoint, a football player or anybody else knows that if I'm going to get better at something, I've got to go through some things that I don't really want to go through. And again, that's part of connecting the vision. I know what's on the other side. I know it's going to become better, but I'm going to have to go through it now. Now, they're choosing to do that, and sometimes suffering kind of comes to us without our choosing. But again, if we see it in the context of God's in charge, God's allowing this to happen. I mean, the reading today, which is the day before that, was on Job and how how God allows (laughs) the devil to bring suffering upon um upon Job horrible suffering and and it strikes me today that that his response Job's response the first thing he does is they say he worshiped God at the time the lord has given the lord has taken away blessed be the name of the lord but he, the word worship is i mean it's totally antithetical to what you would think would would be the response. And in fact, it's the devil is saying that's how he would respond. And he doesn't respond that way. And when the wife gets on him and says, well, I mean, look what he's done to you. Why don't you just curse him and be done with this? And he said, you know, we're grateful to receive the things when they're coming good to us that are causing joy. Why should we be angry at, at him when he's sending us this? So when you have that Again, that vision of God's at work with you in and through your family, God is, God's at work with you in those moments of suffering, then accept them and see them for that. But anyway, I, I, I digress. But, <laughs> but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to show you what he, what he says, because I, I, I think we can go back to the beginning. But he says, it is strange, 120 years ago, so about right when you said, he goes, two things were awful. Life expectancy was two-thirds of what it is today. Physically, we now suffer way less than any people in human history. And, you know, he said, and that has resulted in the gradual erosion of the ability to suffer well. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, now you can take an aspirin, you have a headache. You know, I've, I've unfortunately been in situations when I didn't have, you know, an Advil available and had a headache and think, man, I couldn't handle this for very long. But there had to have been people for years before that happened that had to go through it. So anyway, yeah. you're very insightful. Thank, thank you, Trey. <laughs> building me up, man. Right. You're completing my joy. Yes, right. I love this. That's what I'm here for. I love this. Uh, but anyway, so I, I think, I think unless y'all had something else, I mean, he, he talks about what, you know, the types of suffering that happen and why it happens. I mean, one, obviously, we're in a fallen world, so original sin causes, you know, things like infertility or sickness or disability and certainly death. It's the wages of sin. Um, And so families struggle with a sick mom or a sick child or a death in the family or whatever. And those are just part of the fact that original sin occurred and we're in that. But then he talks about Beyond just original sin, there's kind of the you know the sin that's going on, and there's another kind of suffering that is basically the collective sin of the culture of death. And so he goes on and 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 talks about it, it causes real difficulty um, for parents to raise faithful, spiritually confident children, which is our at least in part one of the goals we should have. When you look around and you go and you see abortion and you see consumerism and materialism, he lists, he lists pornography, gender ideology, the damaging effects of a homosexual lifestyle that have all become. He goes further, which I think is good for him, 
He says, and even because of this collective sin, you have elevated shepherds who have let yep. people down. Yep. And he said, I share your anger and pain. So mm-hmm. I, I, I understand that. But the one that is, I mean, any comments on those? Because he gets to what I think most of us, um, most of us that are probably listening with everybody being healthy, really struggle with. So any thoughts on those on those things? Those seem to be kind of... Just real quick, and then I'll let Stephanie go. I think paragraph 96, where you quoted the, the different aspects of the culture of death, that just that he wrote that and just put that out there and said it, I mean, that's so important. Right, he's bold. He's bold as we all should be, I think, in terms of just calling a spade a spade and pointing at something and saying mm-hmm. that's a problem, you yep. know, because a lot of, a lot of these, in fact, the vast majority of them are things that the culture actually says is okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or, and, and in some cases is a good. So again, that's a countercultural view. So, yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, we've just talked about um, his writing before. I mean, it, it's not only, easy and digestible, but, um, but he doesn't shirk away from the truth and from, you know, all of the things that, that, um, that we're suffering with as a, as a fallen world. And, and I think the beauty in that, and hopefully, you know, where this generation will take us, um, although it's <laughs> not looking good so far, but is the conversations. I mean, you know, that the, there need to be, we need to be able to have these conversations in love and in truth, um, you know, not protests, not, you know, violence, not, I mean, it, they really are to me at all of these things at the very common stripped away root and core is, is about relationships and love and, and conversations. I mean, you know, trying to understand and be present to people because again, also at the very root is some kind of suffering, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Yeah. He's, he doesn't, um, I've, I've been very, um, it's, it's just wonderful to read, you know, just, to, to see someone saying it, you know, cause I mm-hmm. think we all kind of, uh, 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 you know, <laughs> kind of try to skirt around it and, and not name the pink elephant in the room. And he very eloquently, and I think very lovingly, um, has just been black and white about it. You know, so. as you were saying that I, I thought I, one of the things that popped in my head was if you look at a lot of these things, they're either escapes or answers that are an attempt to avoid some perceived suffering. Um, mm-hmm. if you look at, I mean, abortion, euthanasia, he mentions, you know, buying things, having things, being materialistic, pornography, being an escape. I mean, there, there's yeah. so many things that are, that, that, that are an attempt. And I think that's, you know, like if you read unplanned, it's one of the things that has struck me, you know, listen to Abby Johnson talk about the fact that cause she had been on the other side, she realized and that she thought she was doing a good that if we can, if we can, that maybe that helps us. And if we can start with the fact that most people are supporting something that we may say is not a good thing, because they think it is a good, right? And so to have a, they're not trying to hurt anybody or cause any suffering. They think they're answering suffering. So maybe, I mean, me too. We 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 need to. I mean, me personally need to try to remember that most people, even ones that support things that we would be against, are doing it for the most part, not always for self-gain. They, they think they're actually helping somebody. So that's where that discussion and maybe in love and being open to, to dialogue instead of yelling or, mm-hmm. or being calling names or, or being yep. defensive. Asking yeah. a question instead of making a statement, maybe. Right. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I, that was, thank you. Very much, but here's the one that I know everybody out there. Um, I, I know for years it was it was always the great battle, but he's, he's you know nearly all families live in a world of extreme busyness, where countless activities sap energy and time, and leave families drained and disconnected. 
anybody out there give me an amen? I mean, <laughs> that that is that is we multiple times had to make decisions because we saw this and still at the end we were drained and disconnected and sapped of energy. Right. I mean, Absolutely. Yeah. I will never forget after having number three, realizing that I was a stay at home mom that was never at home because, you know, in, in all good things, you know, kinder music, this mom's group, that mom's group, this play date, this. I mean, I felt like every day I was getting up and saying, hurry, hurry, hurry. And um, but boy, when you sat down to look at what I knew what I needed to do. But when you sat down and looked at the calendar of activities, it was so hard to cut those things. And, w- and once I finally did, there was such a peace. But man, it was, you know, if you could have felt that peace before you had to make the decision, it would have been a lot easier. But yeah, it was super, super hard to say no, because like I said, they were all they were all good things. And so like all the things before, you know, yeah. death, illness, yeah. infertility, pornography, all these other things are bad things that I think for a lot of people that are Catholic would say, oh, I can say no to those. Yeah. But but the vast majority of the struggle in life is making decisions between a number of really good things. I mean, things that you can't, that it's not, that's where it becomes hard for somebody who's trying <laughs> To do the right thing, because most of the struggles are not don't do that because that's bad. Mm-hmm. It's choosing which good things to do to the exclusion of another. You had a friend that told you once. Oh, yeah, that you um, that you had to say had to say no to protect what you've said yes to. Mm-hmm. I think I've heard, heard yeah. that before. Yeah. yeah. And that that is really I mean, like when you when you really sit with that for a minute. I mean, it's so true. No becomes, because I think we all, especially I think as women and, and especially even women who are, who are staying home with kids, you feel like, you know, you have to say yes, you know, because you're at home. I mean, you, you know, you're not working and I'm air quoting, yeah. <laughs> big, air, big quotes. air quotes, <laughs> but yeah. So, but you have to say no to protect what you've said yes to, even if that means, you know, you have a lot of small children at home and you're not doing anything outside of the home, but taking care of your family. (laughs) I mean, that's a big enough. Yes. Um, that certainly, um, needs our, needs our protection. And that's part of the purposeful parenthood is as Mm -hmm. parents, or even as a single parent, you have to really like, okay, what is the purpose? Why are, we involved in this. And so for me, like, you know, sports was such a big portion of, of our, because I thought from my own experience and from what I saw, my kids have provided them with situations that most people don't ever. And and there's other things besides sports that just happen to be our thing where they get put in situations where people are counting on them, where they fail. So that was a great teaching mechanism, but you could have too many sports going on too. And so you have to always yep. prayerfully be balancing, okay, even when there's a good reason. So, I mean, like, Trevor liked to play bunches of sports. And I remember about the time we had our third, it's like, okay, we need to pick one, mm-hmm. you know. And then when we had six kids and they were all doing things, we had to sit down and say, okay, you get one thing that you do. Well, one times six yeah. Still six. Still busy. <laughs> <laughs> but two times six is 12. <laughs> so, I mean, we we had to go to them and say, you know, yeah, you know, your friends are all doing all these other things, but you're going to have one. So we need to figure out what that one thing is. Um, and it and, was really interesting. It's very interesting to watch kids when you give them choices and how they, um, you know, how they manipulate that. I mean, we had, you know, we had you know, some kids who wanted to do one thing in a season, you know, like flag football, you know, soccer, you know, I mean, it was their one thing, but they did different seasons. We had one that just tried for five years, just 
any it was the gamut i mean went from gymnastics to dance to soccer to i mean <laughs> until she found she, the one that yeah, she yeah, that she yeah. liked but they all found something that they were very passionate about and and again like Trey said i mean we we definitely processed a lot of good life lessons through i mean any most activities i mean like i said for uh, like Trey said for us it was sports but i think there's you know almost any activity you can you can glean some glean some sort of you know good life lessons um out of out of that well i think it again it's the big picture you got to look at it's a it's it's something you're choosing as a parent for the purpose of helping develop your child it's not for the purpose of i'm going to have the best shortstop of kids my age it's not it's not <laughs> i mean it, you know you want to help them but but it's always you're always putting it in as a parent. You got to extract yourself a little bit from that. We might have to do a show on sports and family, or some or extracurriculars and family, because I think there's there's a tendency to dive so far in and get so and you I mean I you know guilty, but but you know you're you're trying to help them, but you have to keep reminding yourself this is for a reason. So when they when they go through suffering, when they fail at something, when they let people down, helping them understand how to do it, and then connecting it with the future. I, I, I think it's essential that those are things that are used. So, But I, but I do think, and I think probably there's a few moms, maybe a few dads out there that he extends, and here's the real issue. It's not just the busyness. It's what busyness leads to, which is, and he doesn't pull any punches, exhaustion. And so when you're exhausted you have no time for those little bitty moments at night when maybe your kid is struggling with something and they want to talk and you're just like would you just please go to bed I've got, <laughs> I'm, I tapped mean, out. I'm tapped out <laughs> and so it, it you're emotionally you may be present physically but you're emotionally um disengaged mm-hmm. i've never mm-hmm. done that anyway <laughs> I, I just want to say that uh i'm sure you were going to go here next i'm just yeah I'm, I'm jumping in um that quote that ends that subsection from mother Teresa is it's, just outstanding and it's my friends as my 20 probably 20 years ago or more and it, it's only worse today what she says quote yeah. do you know the poor of your own home first maybe in your home there is somebody who is feeling lonely very unwanted very handicapped. Maybe your husband, your wife, or your child is lonely. Do you know that? Today we have no time even to look at each other, to talk to each other, to enjoy each other. And so less and less we are in touch with each other. The world is lost for one of sweetness and kindness. People are starving for love because everybody is in such a great rush. And I just want to say on the air that my wife does such an incredible job of knowing the poor in our home. And there's, there's a, yeah, there's always somebody in some little way who is lonely, doesn't feel like they're getting enough attention, feels unwanted. Maybe they got rejected by their, you know, their sibling who says they don't want to, I don't want to play with you right now. <laughs> feels handicapped because they feel like they can't, you know, do something or they can't keep up with the big kids. And, you know, she just she comes along and, builds them back up and gets their mind on something else or gives them something that they, they can do and it just is, loves them and loves them and loves them. And, and then again, connecting with the bigger picture, there's times in my life, even as an adult, that you sometimes feel lonely, yeah. feel like you're out on your own, Yeah. Um, even in your own house. So what you're doing by what Robin's doing there and, is teaching them how do I deal with this when it happens when mom's not around, you know, when, mm-hmm. and so look at it from that standpoint. It's like anything else. You got to, number one, you got to have, you got to be present enough to recognize it <laughs> and to listen and then to respond and know that when you're having them deal with it, you, I think you always, I don't know how you want to know how you do it. Eventually you got to say it that, Hey, listen, when you get older, there are going to be times when you feel the same way. So I'm going to try to give you some tools on how to do it. You know, mm-hmm. pray, do this, focus on something. I mean, whatever whatever that is so that they can take it with them outside the house. 
But I, but I, as as my rap, my son who does rap would say that Mother Teresa quote is bars. But anyway, <laughs> fire uh, or fire, fire. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, you know, yeah. just before that, oh, go ahead. Were you no, no, say no, that? no, no. That I had that quote highlighted as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it strikes you. Yeah, I mean, and and as anything else, it's a call to. It's 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 about both about being present and being conscious of what your role is, and and recognizing that loneliness is not just outside your under your roof. It it, it it's happening right there at different times. So. One of the other ones that I know is another one that you could do a whole show on, which is in addition to busyness, is the excessive use of technology. Mm-hmm. That that doesn't happen. That never happened to our house either. But oh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it, no, but he says exchanging a relational existence for a virtual one, and I'll let Stephanie give the quote, which is what she used to always. The kids would be oh. doing something, and she'd send them outside and say. <sighs> Go be with the three-dimensional people. <laughs> I, I mean, classic. That, I mean, that's bars. That's bars too. But I mean, it's true. You have. Yeah. It's like anything else. Yeah. I mean, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. No. I mean, you have to. Um, I, I, just another, you know, exhausting parent moment. I mean, it. It's something that you have to stay on top of because, you know, and and goodness gracious, like Trey said, we were certainly not perfect at it because boy when everybody's on their devices it sure is nice and quiet (laughs) exactly i mean i'm so glad that that is not an issue i had to deal with when our kids were little i mean our biggest quote-unquote device was the tv i mean you know that was that was the only device that we really you know there were no towards the late later it like later game boy game kind of the game boys came out you know um that, that kind of stuff. But yeah, now, oh my goodness, between all the different gaming systems and, you know, I mean, you, um, and, and, the, and just the phone itself. I mean, you know, like he talks about in here, I mean, the phone, you're, you're walking around with the internet. I mean, you've got access, you know, um, and personally for our family, uh, you mean you, of course we homeschooled. So it was like, you know, you weren't getting a phone. <laughs> well, that was the biggest the one when I went to school. I think that was the yeah. biggest thing with phones. Yeah, yeah. Was when we when they went to school and they were seventh grade, and everybody had a phone, and we said, "Yeah, no, I mean, you're not going to have one." Um, you know, our the way we kind of came to that conclusion of how when do we do it was when they had other things that they were involved in and they would be somewhere else. You know, in other words, as they grew older, we were like, okay, this is a tool that we bought you. <laughs> so, you know, answer it uh, if we call, respond to texts. If Well, of course, my kids had to teach me what a text message and my first text <laughs> message ever was from Jeff Paradowski, by the way. And I was like, what is this? I mean, who, it looks like this may be from his what am I supposed to do with it? And, you know, my 10 year old, like, give me your phone. What do you want to say? <laughs> no, okay. You got to show me. So, <laughs> that's how far out of touch we are. But, uh, but anyway, I, I, you have to be willing to say no and set limits and figure out again, it's like anything else. Why do they have the phone? What's the purpose of the phone? And that they understand what the purpose of the phone is. It's not for entertainment. <laughs> Uh, it, you know, you may use it for that, but mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. But it's just yet another another thing that parents, you know, have to manage and oversee. I mean, and it's a it's a big one. And I know, you know, like I said, people have wide variety of rules, docking stations and baskets that phones are dumped in and, you know, no devices after certain. I mean, you know, you have to prayerfully um, and obviously knowing your children, um, you know, come up with those rules for for your family and for their you know for their good i will say that in a on the other side of i think there are signs that there are there is technology that is kind of coming to the aid of parents i think it's becoming in the coming years i think it's going to be possible for literally parents to look at whatever their kid is looking at on their screen 
oh. right in the in the instant. Wow. You know, oh, wow. they're going to be imagine. able to, you know, already you can, the, the kind of uh, filtering, the, the level of discriminating that you can do with, with the apps that can be, that a mm-hmm. child can have access to, how long they can use it, when they can use it, you know, being able to know exactly the location where they are, if they're, where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's a hopeful sign. That's yeah. good. No, there's definitely, yeah. there's definitely yeah. positive. It's like anything else. It, Cause this I is like the wild, wild west right now. Technology. Yeah. What we've lived through like the last 10 years. Yeah. I mean, yeah. my personal belief in technology is it's, it's a moral thing. It's right. just, it's just a thing and it can be used for good or, or for bad. And, um, and so you got to help your child with that. I think. I mean, mm-hmm. making those decisions and, you know, you struggle. I mean, the high school, college requires that you have them. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, high school requires. High schools require that you yeah. have them. Yeah. If you're going to a public school, I mean, yeah. They're, yeah. They're, they, they're everybody, you got to be able to get on. I mean, they do voting on, you know, like, what do you think the answer is to this? And people are on their app doing it and then they register and it shows, you know, how many people said this was the answer versus that. And so that can be engaging, but I mean, it's something you have to deal with. I think there's a time that you say no, but at some point it's again, the widening of the funnel, the parenting in the funnel says, if we just say no all the way until the end, then you've not done anything to help them deal with something that they're going to eventually have to deal with. So we always looked at whenever that time came, just like anything else, we made a purposeful decision. Okay, they can have it at this. We're going to explain what it's for, and then we're going to help them learn how, to the best of our ability, learn how to do it. Ma, Steph was always one of the requirements for getting any app was that she was one of the followers, like what you know, a friend, um, yes, friend, follower, or whatever. Where yeah. you know, if they had a social media outlet, I was on it. <laughs> and they had to, you know. But I mean, there are there are ones that you know, I don't know you know, yeah, that that you you really it. You can't monitor. And that's where, you know, I, I think, and this is a great life lesson, is is that, you know, with trust, I mean, you, you, you were considered trustworthy until you broke that trust. And then the consequences of, you know, Yeah, that was something that we always talked about. <laughs> well, we talked about, we've always talked about, look, it's, it's much easier to maintain trust than to lose it. Because once you lose it, to get it back it is mm-hmm. much it's harder. Hard. Um, because it's just human experience, you know, you have to you kind of do the best of earning, but it's always in the back of somebody's mind, a parent or whomever that, Hey, you weren't truthful. You weren't trustworthy. Mm-hmm. So anyway, challenges there, you know, again, just be, be aware of them and then do not be afraid to say no when knows the right answer, but also don't say no so long that you don't help them actually deal with it. Um, you want to help them through that, which means you need to be looking at their phones. Um, you need to have access to the media that they're on. And, you know, I know that they, that can sneak by, but you need to be proactive and purposeful in, in what you do and make sure they understand that <laughs> they're. Uh, I, I mean, they're I, I laughingly call all the, you know, all these outlets, the, you know, mommy cam, parent cam. I mean, because for the most part, you know, whether innocently or stupidly, I don't know that. I mean, that, you know, they post everything. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you not only maybe learn something about your child, but you can also learn something about their friends. And I mean, it's a, um, well, I mean, one that's of the things a very that, positive One of the tool. things that happened, I mean, I don't remember how it, it happened, but when we brought it up before where guys were, or girls were asking guys to rate them, you know, oh, yeah. like that one was, to 10, you know, that's probably and, 10 years ago, <laughs> you know, while, you know, where they were, you know, and, and stuff like that, that, that we had to sit down and talk through. I mean, what do you think about that? You know, I mean, do you think that's, you're objectifying that you're, you're objectifying the person you're making them into, it's all about this, their looks, you know? And, and so the, those are, again, you're looking for those moments as a parent, you can't let go when the when the iron's hot. You need to strike, and so that's a moment that you know. If Monday Night Football was on and you found that, I mean, you need to stop and remember that God invented TiVo. But 
I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm sorry. No, he's I not. Won't. Yeah, I'm not sorry about that. I'm, I'm sorry that I would make light of it, but I'm happy that it exists. But anyway, so we got a little bit left. I think we'll go to this next session, which talks about like the things that are the type of suffering that that um, families go through. And, and again, just like the other one, you know, he talks about um, greatest suffering in the family. You know, abuse or addiction, divorce, those type of things, um, that fatherlessness, which is something that um, I think often frequently um, uh, is not talked about enough. Dad's out there, step up, please. I mean, it, it is, it is, there are things that you can do for your children that nobody else can do. Yeah, he, he certainly addressed that in the, in the first part of this, uh, the first part of this exhortation, the power of the father, uh, you know, I mean, mothers have, we have our roles, but the power of the father is just, it's, it's meant to be, it's meant to be a husband and wife deal and everybody brings their own, but, but everybody's got to step up and, and do it. But I think it's interesting what he said, which is true. He said, you know, even with otherwise strong and intact marriages, there will be hurt stemming from selfishness, misunderstanding, and a lack of charity. Um, and so even in good, you know, quote, unquote, air quote, good, good families, um, that's it. And then he goes on, and I think it's really important to remember that, and, and this happened a lot. I, I, one of the things when I saw things kind of devolving in my own household, um, I always would say it's, it's my fault because I'm not praying enough, I'm not engaged, I'm the father. So here are the things. But you have to look at it as a battle, because he goes, he ends this section, not the section, the whole section, but he he ends the section of all this negativity saying, hey, remember the father of lies, the devil himself, will take these hurts and will begin to bring out resentment, fury, rage, revenge, all these things that are of the devil. And if you can't, if you don't recognize that ultimately when we're hurt, let's just think about this. We never know what forgiveness was (laughs) unless we actually offended somebody (laughs) enough to have to ask for forgiveness. So it has to be incorporated into that. And I mean, like we, we always would talk to our kids and and, you know, when they offended somebody, we would use the language of, will you please forgive me? Mm-hmm. The, the. Forgive me for. I mean, you and then you'd I mean, have to. You had to name. Yeah. That's a practical to, deal. I mean, you, 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 you need to recognize that when somebody has been offended. And now we did make a distinction between when you could say, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And when you could say, please forgive me. Mm-hmm. Or when you would have to say, "Please forgive me." You, you remember you, what we talked about when we were, we said, "Okay, sorry," is for when somebody gets hurt, and it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. Sorry is when you do something and it's totally accidental. Like I, I, I I'm sorry. Spilt the milk. <laughs> I, I, I mean, spilt the yeah. milk. Yeah. I, I, you know, <laughs> I stepped on your toe. Whatever. That's an ice. I'm sorry. We would never allow somebody grabbing a toy or hitting somebody. To say I'm sorry, we would say no. That's you've offended that person purposefully. It's something you know, and to make that distinction so that they can grow up in a house knowing that's what I go to confession for. <laughs> I mean, I go to confession with not the things that are accidental, but with the things that I actively chose not to do. And you have to get in the habit of naming it, naming what is the real offense. And calling, again, a spade, being truthful. And so the answer to all this begins with forgiveness. And that's kind of where where he leads us. And, of course, you know, he ends with what Jesus, who's being crucified, spat upon, taunted from the cross, um, gives us the example of, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Even though they know what they're doing, they don't understand that. So. Did you have any thoughts on that? Because we're gonna, we're not gonna. Yeah. Oh wow! 
These shows just time flies. flies when you're having fun. When you're completing your joy, I mean, these shows just <laughs> yeah, joy fly by. Joy is being completed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I I do have the verse that I want, but oh good, but, uh, okay, well no, please, you, you re- yeah, you go ahead and, and okay. So all of y'all, everybody out there, if you don't know this verse, you have to learn it, okay? Because there's it is so full. Colossians one twenty four. Now I rejoice, calling on joy, in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I complete what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. Suffering, and that's what we're going to get to, and we can begin with this on the on the next one, has meaning. Um, and the sufferings that we have can actually bring about joy, and that's intended to be this embracing of a cross that's been sent, whether it's a passive cross, like something that happens to you, or an active hurt, it's something that we have to embrace. But I think that, and we have a whole unpacking of what it means when he says, I'm, I complete what is lacking in Christ's affl- afflictions, which we'll get to the next time we do this, because it's in his deal. So anyway... Hey. All right. So there's your cliffhanger. There's your cliffhanger. There's <laughs> if you, a, if no, you stuck ooh, with ah. us, if you stuck with us, it was Colossians one twenty four. Colossians one twenty four. All good Christians need to know that one. So. <laughs> oh, great. We're so happy that you joined us today. Remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. Thanks for joining us. God bless. Pray for us. We're praying for you. And just remember, if suffering's coming your way, embrace it and complete your, his joy. Bye. <laughs> From the cross to the grave into heaven. From the cross.